Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another exciting, exciting, yes, I said exciting, edition of Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. I am, of course, Ron Kowak. Now, with my own cane and knowing one's own band, Helsink. It's a new look for me, you know. With me all the way from the East Bridgewater Triangle is the blonde bombshell herself and the little puppy mummy, Anne (laughs) Carrigan. Hi. Hello. Oh, no. Now you have a cane. Now we have to watch out that you don't whack us with it, right? Oh, it's better. I can reach farther with it. Now I can whack people. You're going to have to walk faster. We'll have to run now. Ah. Wow. Well, hello, everybody. How are you all doing this evening? What the hell is that? What the hell is what? How are you all doing? Where are we from? Down the south now? I don't know. You're that what? Who who is who is banging crap around? Is that is that you banging your cane on the wall? What are you banging doing? Banging my cane. You just just knocking stuff off the shelves. I am just knocking anything I can hit my little hands with. <laughs> so you're lucky you're not here. All the way from Scotland, right, right now is joining us uh, the spiritualist medium, a good friend of the show, Stephen Scott. Hey guys. Hi, Sparky. Hey. <laughs> Sparky. I've not it's been called that for a long time. Sparky Scott, <laughs> our ace reporter. That's it. That's it. I dubbed him that. I gotta get a, you did. I got to get a fancy cane. This one's just not cutting it. Yeah. Oh, anyway. yeah. yeah. Got to get so, one with a big, like, like uh, raven's head on the top. Dragon. Or... Maybe a dragon. Oh, a dragon. Yeah, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Or a serpent. Have a serpent go all the way up the cane. Yeah. The head, the head comes off. Oh, I like that. Yeah, you know, you, they make those canes that you can put, uh, like, you know, like liquor in them, right? I'm all, I'm all over that. Yeah, just okay, I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, we all are sporting Steve, canes. Steve, Steve's going to go out and hurt his uh, foot just so he can get a cane. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I don't need to run. I've got a problem with my hip and back at the moment. So, oh, that's yeah, nice. Yeah, You're well, right. it is You're, what it is. You realize that New England has the top. Doctors from hips and backs in the world, right? There you yeah, go. you do realize I'm in Scotland. Yeah, <laughs> that's, of, that's of no use to me whatsoever. <laughs> they, they've invented they invented these amazing things called airplanes, and you get on them, and they take you to places. It's it's I've never used them myself, but I've heard about I, them. <laughs> I don't believe it. That's a myth. You're making that up, Ron. Is it really? <laughs> anyway, well, I'm sorry. I mean, we we'll just have to go on. Uh, our Facebook page, like everybody else does, and uh, you know, uh, do a white light healing circle for for you. Absolutely, that's great, and oh. for you. Oh, uh, I'm beyond help. Jeez, you people are just falling apart. Honestly, I'm beyond help. I mean, I'm just tired. You know, 
the rest of you are just <laughs> coming apart at the seams, literally. So There's was, a song in there. <laughs> <laughs> so I was in the uh, the uh, garage because Jan had a little flat in her tire, and I saw us getting uh, it fixed. So, we, we, of course, uh, talk turned to what would be the best way to kill yourself. Uh, so. <laughs> oh, no. Somebody somebody said uh, cyanide pills. I said, no, no, I wouldn't want to go that way. And I, and I thought about it. Originally, I was going to, you know, just get on a boat and then go out to sea. And they said, well, what good does that do? You stop to get the hot breaks of food or water or whatever. He says, well, what good does that do? I says, I'll be a legend. They'll write songs about me. Really? Yes. They'll sing my praise and wherever they sing praise. Um. Okay. <laughs> All but, right. but then I then I really decided that the best way would be to just get a blanket and go outside in the winter, lay down on the ground and freeze to death. Oh, like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Right. Ooh. Yeah. And, I don't, and, I don't think Jack went willingly in that movie, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. He just kind of ran out of steam in the maze and just. Got frozen there. Can't you just see the scene on? Here's Ronnie. That's right. I was telling Steve Parson about that on the way to the airport today. Goodbye, Steve. Glad to get rid of you. Sorry, sorry, UK. Set them back. Yeah, Yeah. You're supposed to keep them. They didn't give me enough money this time. There was no receipt with them. You're supposed to keep them. But he told me that is actually a, a Eskimo tradition that the mm-hmm. elders in the Eskimo tribe, when they're no longer, uh, you know, of use, <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> when they're, they're a little old, too elder, they go out well, and they they fall asleep in the snow. Yeah, well, oh. it's more if, if if I remember correctly, Ron, it's more of come with me, Grandma, and look at this beautiful sunset by the side of this glacier. Is that how it works? Over the back of the head. (laughs) You know, I think that's how they dealt with it. I'm not sure, though. Uh, Well, and for my Walking Dead fans, look at the flowers, Grandma. Look at the flowers. So, (laughs) I know. You guys won't get it. It's all right. (laughs) Oh, fine. My other other, um, Walking Dead homies will. Okay. All right. Anyways, uh, we are, we, the uh, thoughts of uh, Ron Kolick and everybody else in the show are not anywhere associated with the Stogianet, Pararex, or any other thing. So we are not, we are not, uh, we are not condoning our, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, euthanasia. So, encouraging? Yes, we are not encouraging euthanasia. I just want to say that. So move right All on. Right. Okay. Everything's right. good. Peace and light. Yep. Yep. Rainbows, unicorns. All right, so what are we supposed to be talking about tonight? We have lots of things to talk about tonight. Do? Yeah. Oh, goody. We, we just talked about ways to... Uh, da- die. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> good. Uh, okay. So, um, and we talked about Steve Parson, where I shipped back. And uh, we really missed you, Steve. Uh, Scott, Steve and Scott this year. Yes. I, I was there in spirit, Ron, trust me. Uh, I was following you guys. Well, that's what day. it was. That's Absolutely. who was making all that noise. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Every time I was sleeping, you guys seemed to be doing table tipping, and I was just causing havoc. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's um, yeah, you know, maybe sometime, who knows? But uh, no, it was. Um, 
yeah, it, it, it was great watching yet another successful Spirit Quest and just seeing all the quote-unquote shenanigans that you guys got up to. Uh, always makes me smile. And Vary as well. You, you know, we, we had a great time over yeah, there. Yeah, we missed her too. Tell her we have lots of, lots of pumpkin stuff here. There's so much pumpkin stuff over there that's incredible. Yeah. You know, it's I I swear to God, when we were over there the last time, it cost me more in pumpkin things than <laughs> for the flights. You know, it's crazy. Okay. okay, I have to tell you this, and, and uh, I'm sure Valerie's not going to like it. But anyways, uh, when Steve and Valerie came over here, the first thing they made me do was go to like the Whole Foods store place, and they bought all this lovely Whole Foods store stuff. Mm-hmm. And then she found the bowls, our market basket, and pumpkin cakes and pumpkins. And this <laughs> that's right. And that. Yeah, that pretty much ended it all. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We did. We went to Whole Foods and we saw these pumpkins, and I've still got the photos there. We both have of of ourselves standing outside with all these different pumpkins. <laughs> and then we found market basket. And we found that pumpkins don't have to be natural. They can be, uh, you know, created in a lab using sugar and cream and (laughs) different shapes, which was great, uh, which kept us up all night with the sugar rush. Uh, And then there's our favorite pumpkin teenies. And honestly, I swear there must be a God in heaven because of pumpkin teenies. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I had two last uh, last week. I think it was last oh. Thursday, and uh, I, I thought I thought of Ari because she just loves them. <laughs> well, over here we now get pumpkin baileys. Mm. You have pumpkin baileys. We have pumpkin baileys. It's not the same, but it is close enough. It's close enough. It is close enough. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. You, well, you know what? You just have to make do. With what you have, absolutely, and make the best of it, <laughs> and, and be happy with that. <laughs> oh my goodness! So you guys have some plans coming up to go somewhere haunted. Did I see that on Facebook? Did we? I don't know. Or you're just going on vacation? Um, I'm trying to remember now. Uh, Hang on until I can uh, until I consult the supervisor. Remember, remember, Steve. She, she did have those pumpkin teenies. So who, who the hell knows what she was looking at? <laughs> ah. Give me a second. I, I'm just Who consulting the supervisor that? here. Are, are oh. somewhere special? Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Oh, oh, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Potter. That's, That's what I'm thinking of. The studios. Oh, that is awesome. Yes, and they have the. The Forbidden Forest now and the train. They have the train. Ooh. The Hogwarts Express. Yes. What's Express? It's, yes, it's it's the one time that I literally watch Vary morph into a five year old. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> oh my god. That's awesome. I we have that Take here pictures. in Florida, but Take pictures. Yeah, we have it here in Florida, but I don't know when I'm gonna get there either. It might as well be in Ireland, you know. Well, I've told you any time you come over here, just Turn up. We'll take uh, you. Yeah, Scotland. Scotland, okay. Ireland. Another <laughs> pumpkin, Martini. Oh, come on. You're just jealous. Yes, That's I awesome. am. Yeah. Yes, I am. I'm sitting here with my cane wanting to hit something. I don't know what, but it's just a oh. handy thing to have. Anyway. Jan and the cat are both hiding. <laughs> yeah, they're all out of my range. Trust me, they know better. So, so Stephen, what you been up to? 
besides pain? Well, um, mostly uh, I've been starting to review some different things. I've, I've been revisiting how I work as a medium uh-huh. and the type of things that I do um, and looking at ways to serve spirit differently than just, you know, necessarily going to churches, doing readings, that type of thing. Yeah. And I'm slowly starting to build up um, thoughts, processes, and ways to try and encourage not just uh, existing people into, you know, understanding about the need for spirit, but also looking at ways of introducing new people to what spirit and spiritualism is supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, I mean, with, without getting too topical about it, uh, I think we've taken a kind of U-turn slightly here where uh, a lot of spiritual work seems to be about getting people in the door, getting bottoms on seats, you know, making yeah. money, this type of thing. Where is it? bottoms. Uh, yeah, bottoms. I said bottoms. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Sounds, you know, sounds you know. so sexy, bottoms. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yes, we'll we'll have one. We may as well acknowledge its existence. Bottom, you know, it's so very British, isn't it? I, I, you know, I bruised my bottom. I'm very sorry. You know, what's it you guys call it? Ass. <laughs> well, that's a freaking ass. You had to ask. You had to ask. Nothing. Nothing near fancy. That's the type of bulky. It took me years to figure out that that wasn't my first name. No. <laughs> such an ass. <laughs> yes, mom. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody else. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah, right. that's the type of thing that I'm exploring just now. Ways to try and uh, encourage uh, new people to take up so, and uh, experience spirit from a genuine standpoint as opposed to you know all the propaganda I'll, I'll use the term propaganda very loosely <laughs> all the propaganda you see on television what it's supposed to be about what you see in movies and just to try and encourage people into uh, trying to you know acknowledge first the spirit within themselves right come to terms with that and then take that out into the world you know it's funny you mentioned that uh, Stephen because it's for of course this year uh, Leslie and I did a, uh, a presentation or, or a talk or a workshop, actually, it was on everyday psychics. And mm-hmm. w- basically, we talked about, uh, you know, what is an everyday psychic? And, and I asked, do you have a mirror in your house? And everybody said, yeah, yeah. And I said, do you ever look in a mirror? Yeah, yeah. Well, you're looking at an everyday psychic. We all have that ability if we just open ourselves up to use it. Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of what, I, what you're talking about, I think. Yeah, very much so, Ron. It's, it's, it's almost like taking a back step into how things used to be mm-hmm. you know, in the early days of spiritual development. Because I feel it's, uh, for, for me personally, and not just for me, this is also something that uh, the majority of this came from my wife, Vary, who also yeah. said, you know, maybe you should find your own way forward from this point. Um, is that uh, when it comes to actual spiritual development, how things are now, I'm pretty sure, is not how the the intent behind spirit was for things to go. Spiritualism mm-hmm. and you know ghost hunting seems to be very commercialised nowadays. There seems to oh, be yes. oh, a yeah. benefit, a profit behind doing this, and that's really not what it's about. Because everyone that starts out 
investigating this, does it for their own personal reasons. They've either had an experience, something's happened to them, they've lost someone and it's affected them, or they're receiving information or they've encountered something they can't understand. And that's what people are looking for. They're just looking for understanding. Yeah, I agree and yet with you. The first thing that happens is, uh, you know, with a lot of persons and groups is, well, we'll come out and we'll tell you what's wrong. So would this be like a, a spiritualist circle where you would invite people to come to, you would sit down and, yes. and you would share things with each other? Yeah, very much so. I'm hoping to uh, start uh, either a circle or a group just to kind of encourage things to change, encourage people to take control of their own spirituality, to encourage people to acknowledge that there is more to just this physical life than, you know, the daily grind, the nine to five, the drudge, getting on with things. And then at the end of that, someone's going to throw you in a box and that's the end of your existence. <laughs> no, there's I no hope not. Yeah. No, I know not. That I know from previous experience there's more to it than that. Because when you work from your heart and your soul and your spirit and you stand on platform and you make connection with another soul and spirit from another person and you give that information across to someone and it means something, you cannot be making that up. It doesn't matter how psychic or intuitive you are, how good you are at cold reading. When you come up with pertinent information that that means something, mm -hmm. that means nothing to you, then all the barriers just seem to crumble in front of you. And, and what you're left with is that simple truth that this information must be coming from a, from a third source, a third party. There's you, there's the sitter, and then there is someone else communicating. And it's, it's the only logical truth that exists within that. And it's what I'm hoping to do is to try and help people expand and just become aware of that and, and to understand that this is not an overnight process, that this is a, that you need to rely on the, the skills and the knowledge and the learning that you have experienced throughout your entire life to this point. Very much, and I'm not placing myself in the head role here, it's because we're all in charge of our own destiny, our own thoughts, our own, uh, you know, experiences and our own learning. There's an old phrase that when the student is ready, the master appears. But we have to recognise that we are our own master. I'm not in charge. You're in charge of your own learning, your own experiences, your own understanding. You are your own master, not me. And that's what I want to bring across to people because very often uh, I tend to find that there's a, there's a lot of people out there and there's a lot of information out there that says, read this book and you'll be a psychic in seven days. <laughs> all your, well, all your money back. <laughs> all your money back. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I remember years ago playing, uh, we sadly lost the great author Terry Pratchett a few years ago. And Terry Pratchett was, who wrote the Discworld novels, had an amazing sense of humour. These are fantasy novels set in a fantasy realm. And I remember years ago playing this game based on the Discworld novels. And someone tried to sell me a dragon detector. 100% <laughs> cash back if it doesn't work. <laughs> a, know, dragon, a dragon yes, detector. Dragon okay. detector, sir. 100% cash back if it doesn't work. Well, you're not going to be there if it doesn't work. So, yeah. you know, why not? You know, and, you know, it's, it's very easy to get drawn into the, the popularity of all this. 
And ultimately what it means is, is that if, if we look back beyond all the popularity and all the glamour and all the, uh, you know, the coverage that spiritual work gets, ultimately it's about people wanting to find the truth about what lies beyond this for themselves. And yeah. that's what I'm hoping to try and kind of uncover with it, with, uh, for people, is, is to allow them to take con control of their own spirituality and their own understanding and, and to try and teach them that you're the one in control of this. Only you can choose to walk the path. I can show you the door, but you have to walk through it. You have to walk the path. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're, 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 you're in the, a, a guide role, I would guess you would say. Yes. Right? Yeah. I can only point the way. I can't right. encourage people to learn. Right. Right. Yeah. I agree. And, and, you know, it's like when Leslie and we, we were doing table tipping at Spirit Quest and, you know, she was getting like these random things and it was all, it was stuff from my mother, which was awesome. Mm. But she's like, I'm saying flowers. <laughs> And I'm like, flowers? And she's like, yep, just flowers. And I'm like, my mother used to arrange flowers at, at the church, you know. So it was like not flowers in the context that you'd think flowers, you know. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, she, I mean, she's just guiding. She's, she's just yes. being the guy of what's coming through. She doesn't yeah. know why she gets that. Mm -hmm. In that case, she's more of a messenger. Or messenger, Yeah. Well, I, I like to refer to it as, it's a, without quoting a certain piece of literature that I know means a lot to you, Ron, it's like a telephone call. <laughs> now, keep it, keep it good, Ron. Okay. Now, you have, you have the, the person making the call. You have uh -huh. the person receiving the call. The medium is merely the line mm -hmm. between the two. That's true. That's, that's it. It's a good analogy. They shouldn't feel important. They're just there to help relay the message. They're not there to interfere with the message or to change the message or to make the message more appropriate and more flowery or more, um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, to be more expansive than what it is. They're just looking to get the information across because mm -hmm. the recipient will know exactly what's required as long as you have the correct recipient yeah right. and, and it's such you know you know Stephen, it's such a uh, a stigma on, on mediums and it's it really is a shame because it, it there's a lot of information that's being lost because of it uh it's you know uh do you know jack hunter no jack hunter is a parapsychologist from the uk he he, uh, he's a young guy. He, he worked with uh, several seance groups in, in the, you know, parapsychologist role. Uh, and he, he, they were doing this book. I, I forget which, which uh, college or university it was or whatever. I forget because in the UK they mess it up. I don't know which is a college, which is a university or whatever. Anyways, uh, and he, he did a, a, a bang-up job on the, on the chapter. And... Uh, they found out what he was doing, and they decided because of what he was doing to exclude the chapter from the, the book. Hmm. Nothing yeah. to do with the chapter itself. The chapter was extremely well, but only because he were, was working with a, a mediums and, and seance group. And, hmm. and it, it, it's, stuff like that is, is totally ridiculous. I mean, that's, 
that's not intelligence. I'm sorry. It's just not. I mean, you don't because of uh, oh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for is you don't. Uh, I can't even think of the analogy I want now, but you don't discourage the, the evidence because, uh, you know, the, for instance, the evidence collector was from a different religion than you or something. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of an odd saying, but there's a better analogy in that. That's the best I could do right now. Yeah. Yeah. Just because something doesn't fit with someone's theory or ethos on yeah. a subject matter doesn't mean that you should exclude someone else's. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Because. None of us know everything about mm -hmm. what's actually going on in the universe. And there are revered scientists who openly admit, yeah, the universe, we really don't know how that works. We can take it back to a point, you know, the Big Bang, for example, but, you, you know, what was there before that? Yeah, we're kind of stumped on that. So, um, yeah, we, we, we don't know. <laughs> you know, nobody knows everything. So to uh, exclude information on the basis that uh, you know or you think you know more about a subject than anyone else is very, very narrow-minded and very exclusionist, and it, it, it doesn't benefit what is effectively the scientific rationale for identification of, you know, theory, thesis, and you know, proving a subject. Right. Yeah, it's you know, Steve Steve Parson, who a lot of people think he's, and and I accuse him of that being, being cynical, or is. Uh, uh, He's on that same line that he, he does not believe that everybody knows everything and, and there are always possibilities. And, and you know, I, we, we, as much as we fight, I, we, we are uh, quite a bit on the same page on a lot of things. But mm -hmm. anyways, um, yeah, it's, it's just a thing. I mean, you have, you have some people that are, are uh, so skeptical. And I don't, can't even say skeptical. It's, it's more cynical. It's, it's, and they, yes. they don't, they don't. That taints their all their thinking, and mm -hmm. basically they can't have be open minded enough to. Uh, oh, we got to come up in the break. But I, there's always a good saying. What was that saying? Uh, mind is like a, a parachute; it's useless unless it opens or something like that. It doesn't oh, work. It's open. So, yeah, no. so it's true. Anyways, this tune. So we're gonna take a break. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles: Next Generation with the blonde bombshell herself, Ann Kerrigan. And the crippled Ben Helsing <laughs> and the crippled Stephen Scott. <laughs> we'll be right back after following messages right here. <laughs>
feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Ian. And our very special guest this evening, Stephen Scott. Yay! Yeah. The crowd goes wild. <laughs> uh, before we get into the subject, we actually have a, a new uh, thing on the program called uh, Legends Something or Other by Jeff Belanger. So why don't we play that now, Karina? Can you get that ready uh, for Karina? We'll play that, and then we'll come back and uh, continue our conversation. So if we have that ready, can we play that, please? Or not? Or so? Shh. Or maybe? <laughs> Could be? Might have been? It's coming. Uh, so it's Christmas. Maybe. <laughs> and uh, do, everybody do, do, loves do, do, the parade. Do, Ray, I do, want to take do, you back do, to do, September 19, 1961, around 10.30 p.m. Okay, Jeff, I'm with you. Imagine riding in the back seat of Barney and Betty Hill's 1957 Chevy Bel Air as they navigate Route 3 through northern New Hampshire on their way back home to Portsmouth. Got it. Well, it looks like there's a dog back here with us. Hi, Delcy. Good doggy. Just as we get south of Lancaster, Betty spots a strange light in the sky. It's moving upward and getting bigger. We follow it until... I'm Jeff Belanger. And I'm Ray Ozier, and welcome to the New England Legends Podcast, where each week we explore a strange but true tale from somewhere in New England. Jeff, I know a little bit about Barney and Betty Hill's UFO case, um, and quite frankly, it frightens me. This week marks the 56th anniversary of the alleged UFO abduction that took place in New Hampshire to Betty and Barney Hill. Let's look at the timeline on this case. Here's what the Hills claim. On September 19th, they were heading back home from a vacation to Niagara Falls in Montreal. Around 10.30 p.m., Betty sees this strange light in the sky and asks her husband to stop the car so they can get a better look and also to let their dog out and walk for a minute. Good dog, Delcy. Betty pulls out a pair of binoculars and observes what she describes as an odd-shaped craft with flashing multicolored lights. Barney also took a look, but he figured they were just seeing a jet heading toward Montreal. But then the lights turned and started to descend toward them. That's when he changed his mind. 
So the Hills jump back in their car and head towards Franconia Notch, which is a pretty narrow road in the White Mountains. The Hills say they watched this craft ascend lower and lower until it passed over a restaurant and signal tower on top of Cannon Mountain until it came out near the old man on the mountain cliff face. Betty estimated that the rotating craft was bigger than the cliff profile, which was about 40 feet, you know, before it crumbled and fell back in May of 2003. About a mile south of Indian Head, the hills say this craft quickly descends toward their car, forcing Barney to lock up the brakes and stop in the middle of the highway. There's no other cars around. And this craft is now less than 100 feet above their automobile. Barney has a pistol in his pocket, so he steps out of the car. He uses the binoculars to look up, and there he says he spotted several humanoid-looking figures gazing at him from the craft's windows. All of the figures but one step away. But this one figure keeps looking right at Barney. Mr. Hill claimed the creature, or whatever it was, was telepathically telling him to stay where he was and keep observing. The craft drops even lower, maybe 50 feet from the ground and less than a football field away from Barney. Barney runs back to the car. He's screaming at his wife in panic. They're going to capture us. At this point, the Hills report hearing a buzzing sound followed by beeps. The car vibrates and they feel a tingling sensation in their bodies. And then... And then... And then, the hills hear those beeps and buzzing sounds again, but they realize they're about 35 miles south of where they thought they were. They drive up to a roadblock, stop the car, and see a fiery ball of light in the road. Both of their wristwatches have stopped working. The Hills arrived home in Portsmouth around dawn. They claimed they were confused. Barney felt he needed to shower to remove any possible contamination. Betty put the dress and shoes she was wearing into her closet and noticed tears in the fabric, but she didn't remember tearing her dress. She also saw some kind of pink powder on it, and the trunk of their car had these concentric circles imprinted, but they weren't there before. So they drew and wrote down what they remembered seeing, but they found their memories were fragmented. Now, on September 21st, they phoned Peace Air Force Base in Portsmouth to report what they had encountered. On September 22nd, Major Paul W. Henderson phoned back to ask for more details. In his official report, he determined the Hills had misidentified planet Jupiter. Right. I can't tell you how many times the planet Jupiter has chased my car down a desolate road, torn my clothes while setting fire to the road. I'm curious, though, about their dog, Delcy, who was in the car the whole time. No one interviewed the dog. In the coming days, Betty claimed to have this recurring dream where she and Barney encountered a roadblock. Their car was surrounded by men, and they were led up a ramp into a disc-shaped metallic craft. Once inside, she and Barney were separated into different rooms and examined. Betty remembers sitting down, seeing a bright light, and then there was a physical examination of her skin, hands, feet, and body. She wrote all of the details down, and would later reveal it to people interested in UFOs, including U.S. Air Force Captain Ben H. Sweat. Sweat also had an interest in hypnosis, and he referred the Hills to Benjamin Simon in Boston, who conducted several hypnotic regressions with Betty and Barney. It's from those regressions that we get most of the details of their account. This story really blew up in 1966 when author John G. Fuller wrote the book The Interrupted Journey that propelled this experience from a regional story to an international one that people still talk about today. The case even has some official recognition. There's a state marker outside of Indian Head Resort in Lincoln, New Hampshire, near the couple's original driving route. And if you like your memorials a little more gaudy, 
There's an Irving Express gas station off of exit 33 on I-93 with a painted wall showing your typical gray alien standing on the road with a sign that reads, First Close Encounter of the Third Kind, Betty and Barney Hill, September 19, 1961. Well, Jeff, what do you think happened? I'm not sure. I don't think the Hills misidentified the planet Jupiter. I mean, come on. No one's going to turn a planet in the sky into an abduction. That's too far-fetched. This is one of those cases where the official explanation adds credibility to an otherwise incredible story. You know, it's also worth noting that Betty and Barney Hill were an interracial couple during a time when that was both rare and potentially dangerous, depending on what part of the country you were living in. It also makes them that much more interesting as a couple to an outside observer. Ray, I'm going to ask you a question that I've asked many UFO researchers over the years. If I put you in charge of Earth, the whole planet, and you had access to all of the secret files and information, and you were told, yes, indeed, we've been visited by extraterrestrials from another planet with technology far superior to ours, would you tell everyone or keep it a secret? You know, that's, uh, that's a good question, and I understand the fact that they wouldn't want to panic the public, but I think I would want everyone to know. I wouldn't. I think it would do more harm than good to an awful lot of people. I figure if ETs are coming here to visit us and they wished us harm in some way, they would have destroyed us by now. I also ask myself, what would we do if we had technology to travel to a distant world and found a species far behind us in technology? I have no doubt we'd snatch a few of them up and take a closer look. I hope we'd have the moral decency to also put them back where we found them, unharmed. You can listen to this and all of our past New England Legends podcast episodes on our website, OurNewEnglandLegends.com. You can also subscribe for free at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please, post reviews on those websites. It's a great way to help spread the weird word. Until next week, remember, the bizarre is closer than you think. Interesting. What do you think? That's it is one of the most well-known cases. Uh, Stephen, have you ever heard of it before? I vaguely remember something about it. Uh, I was a big uh, fan of uh, ufology way back when I was younger, and uh-huh. I picked up. We had a magazine over here called The Unexplained, and uh, it, it detailed that case and also more, uh, other more prolific cases as well, or equally prolific cases like the Sirocco Saucer and all these types of things. And that really got me interested in the whole thing. But, um, yeah, I've, I've heard of it, and it really was a blast from the past there. It was amazing to hear that once again. So how does that affect spiritualism? It doesn't, uh, really. Why? Because it's... I'm a big fan. I, I noticed that Jeff mentioned John G. Fuller there, who also wrote The Ghost of 38 Megacycles. Uh which is a book about EVPs, if I remember correctly. And uh, the concept of ufology, uh, I'm a a big fan of, now you'll have to excuse me, uh, John A. Keel, who wrote The Mothman Prophecies. Oh, yeah. And he refers to these UFOs as, for example, thought tulpas, projections of our own self-consciousness and subconsciousness. Uh, And that if we didn't create them, Sorry, if they didn't exist, we would create them anyway because they're effectively thought projections of our own uh, requirement and understanding of the universe type of thing. Uh, Or at least that's what I took from the book. Mm. Uh, 
And that in itself, for me as a spiritualist, I, do I believe that there's life out there in the universe? Well, I think I would be very, very arrogant if I said no. Because we live on a, a tiny moat on the middle of a, a massive, you know, sea of infinity. Let me quote another famous New Englander, <laughs> and which is H.P. Lovecraft, of course. Okay. And, um, you know, we're a tiny dust moat in the middle of a massive cosmos and a sea of infinity. And for us to assume that we are the only intelligent life in the universe, I think, is a very arrogant stance to take. And for us to... Uh, try and, you know, demand that we are the only self-aware, self-conscious, spiritual entity in this massive universe, mm -hmm. you know, See, would be but, silly. Yeah, but the thing is, Stephen, is that, number one, you have to define life. I mean, we, yes. we, we define it by who we are, but mm -hmm. what if life is something else, somewhere else, you know, uh, as far as, I mean, we, we know even in our own Earth, there are creatures that have intelligence, but we don't consider them on the same level as us. But, uh, you know, what defines us? Because we make things, because we build things? Is that makes us better than other people? Or, you yeah, know, you're absolutely correct, everyone, is that it's, it's, it's human arrogance that makes us think we're superior to anything else. Uh, if, if I can pick a simple example here. If, if any of us owns a dog or a cat or whatever, let's look at them in the terms of their existence and their level of contentment within our lives. Mm -hmm. You know, if we take care, and it's, as, as an individual, I own both dogs and cats. In fact, let me rephrase that, I am the slave of both dogs and there cats. There you go, there you go. And, you know, I think I'm in charge, but I'm not. You know, it's. <laughs> I'm going to take a risk here and say it's kind of like marriage. I think I'm in charge, but I'm in not. Um, and uh, <laughs> I'm waiting on something hitting the back of my head here, but it's not happened yet. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's we. It's easy for us to assume that we are the dominant, most intelligent species around us, simply because we have been able to create things and that we have been gifted with opposable thumbs. Mm -hmm. That's basically mm -hmm. what it comes down to. We are able to pick up things and do things that, you know, for example, cats and dogs can't. But does that mean that <laughs> we are any better than anything else? I seriously don't think so. Uh, <laughs> you know, spiritually aware, who's to say that one of us doesn't choose to come back to experience a different type of life within a different level of reality to ourselves? Right. We don't know until we're back within the spirit realm, until we're back within that that kind of core consciousness where we as a, a genuine spirit entity are able to detach ourselves from all the human baggage and then look at the life we've lived and whether that is and this is where I, I split from mainstream spiritualist thought particularly within things like you know the kind of organised spiritualist religions I honestly believe that animals have souls that animals have the capability to understanding to experience life the same as us, mm -hmm. just in mm -hmm. a different form. Because nobody can tell me if when I look into my dog's eyes, it's not looking back at me with a sense of self. Mm -hmm. you know, then that's, that's my personal belief. There is intelligence and understanding in there. Mm -hmm. In fact, sometimes more so than some of the people that I look at on a daily basis. But what if, what <laughs> if life is just part of this greater consciousness? 
and whatever form it comes into is what it is. So, for instance, we're all part of this greatest consciousness, but we have the particular part, like you have, you have your part in you that makes you who you are. And a dog may have that same part in him, but he he is in the the form of a dog. That's his vessel. Versus, uh, you know, I I don't like killing anything. I even even yeah. in uh, plants or anything. I I think there is that life of we are all part of that greater consciousness. It's mm-hmm. just the way that the consciousness uh, comes back. I, I don't know if it comes back or it's all existing in in different uh, formations, whether it's a plant or a, a, a dog or, or a human. Mm-hmm. I think what's important, Ron, is is what we do with the life that we have. Mm-hmm. That's the ultimate message here. Is it, now, let's go out on a limb here and say that it's possible for you to come back as an animal or a plant or even mm-hmm. a concept. Let's take it right out there. And imagine that um, a thought itself could be a concept or an energetic structure that you can recreate yourself as. Let's let's go right out on a limb to the ultimate extremes of things here. But a thought itself could be an alien that could change your perspective on life. Okay. Mm-hmm. Again, we're, we're going right out. We're now at limits here. We've gone beyond Rod Sterling in the Twilight Zone. We're now yeah. out of limits. <laughs> and. Um, the only thing that, that stops that from being any form of reality is that the, the fact that within this life that we live, we are contained within a physical vessel. And our understanding of our physical world and our understanding of reality is bounded by this physical realm. I sit here at my desk with my hands on my desk, you know, and, you know, to quote the cap, I, I think, therefore, I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Call but, the cat. No, Descartes, not the cat. Let's leave the cat. <laughs> the cat. Good. the cat will be yeah. looking at me yeah. from some higher point. You've got a damn smart point. cat, I'll tell you that. Man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the cat will be sitting there looking at me going, man, you're so far off base, you don't even know it. <laughs> Back in Venus, we know what's happening. <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, so... You know, we're encouraged to think along those realms and, and and to encourage everything into, you know, our thoughts create our reality and our reality is formed by our thoughts and therefore we're caught in this never-ending cycle of, you know, am I who I am because of what I do or am I the person who does things because of who I am? You know, it's a never-ending cycle. So it's when we break away from that and work spiritually, it allows us to free ourselves from that. And that's where things like, you know, development, meditation and just relaxation into one's own spirit gives you a sense of self and nobody has nobody has the right to tell you that what you experience because everything is experiential that's why we're here we're here to experience Mm -hmm. nobody has the right to tell you that your experience uh, for example ron uh, i remember or i recall uh, an incident where you were handed a a torch or something by someone by what you perceive to be a spirit on a lighthouse investigation. Yes. Yeah. Now, no one else saw the spirit, but you were handed that by someone, but you could account for everyone else there. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. came from somewhere else. That's your experience. Nobody has the right to tell you if that's a right or wrong experience. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's your experience. That was meant for you to give you a purpose, a thought, a journey, or the encouragement to investigate further. That was purely for you. And it's great that 
you feel and you have the, the confidence to share that with the world. But that's your experience. No one else or no one else was party to that. In fact, I think you said there were some people who saw it. Actually, so, uh, Jer Jeremy saw the hand, but never right. saw the person. Uh, he's the only one of the entire group. So we right. had about 20 people there, over 20 people. And he was the only one that saw it. He was coming down from the stairs. But uh, yes, it, it, that was an unusual experience, to say the least. So that's something that, that sticks in my mind, because I, I remember you talking about that. And you, you could see it, that this had affected you in a different way. That's your experience, yours and Jeremy's. And it's now up to you what you do with that information and where you take that. But that, that was... That was designed and, you know, an architect of whatever purpose had designed that for you. That's the way I like to look at it. And that, that was made specifically for you and Jeremy. Well, and tell them to you... cut that shit out. <laughs> <laughs> Stop trying to confuse me. <laughs> you didn't want your flashlight back? I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you didn't take it in the first place, I would have had it. <laughs> it, it, it the funny part about it is actually uh, the last time I was here doing a tour, uh, I was telling that story while I was collecting the thing, and I, I had my other flesh, and I used that to, to show them, and I put it in the bag with all the things, and now that flashlight has disappeared. <laughs> ah, amazing. We now have an apportation and an aspartation. We have the object appear and the object returning, which is yeah, it's, it's an aspartation, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I mean, back on the ass, I'm gonna kick it. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you can just hit it with your cane. So. Yeah, there you go. I can hit anything with my cane now. <laughs> it's got special. I'm spurs. heading the same way, Ron, very, very quickly, way before you. But I, I can't wait to get my cane where I can shout it. You kids, get off my lawn. There you go. There you go. So I know you're bad. <laughs> you're a bad. You're a bad. Uh, anyways, getting back to the, the, the UFO thing, uh, I, I do have one thing that, that I, I just can't understand because, you know, everybody says if they can fly here and think they're so much more advanced than us, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, any advanced society, would they really, I mean, go into like cow uh, manipulation and what do you call it? Chopping up cows or whatever, yeah. or, or, you know, or... Or, uh, you know, so many stupid things like, you know, if they were creatures, would you, if you're so much intelligent than us, so you much know more than than us, then would you want to hurt those creatures in any way? You know, I, I just yeah. don't see that. And and if your you're, technology is so much better, why do you even have to touch them? I'm sure you could scan the freaking things. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, can I say, anyone who has any of those types of thoughts, okay? Mm -hmm. The, the, the very talented and gifted Chris mm -hmm. Carter wrote an X-Files episode called Jose Chung's From Outer Space. Oh, I remember that. And it's one of my favourite TV episodes. Of, it's, it's right up there with Kolchak the Night Stalker. Oh, right? Because it's so glib, <laughs> so tongue-in-cheek. Mm -hmm. But it deals with almost that aspect, is that if, for example, a government had identified that aliens were coming here, wouldn't they want to create something so insane and so bizarre that it makes everyone who deals with it look nuts? True. To the point where it masks the actual activity that's going on. True. Which is absolute genius. And it, it, it plays out wonderfully. And I, I watch this um, maybe two or three times a year because it just makes me smile. It's also got Jesse Ventura in it, which is just brilliant. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> 
Jesse the body. Jesse the body Ventura. Captain Freedom. Absolutely. And um, (laughs) for the Running Man fans, that's what that was. Um, And sorry, my inner geek is coming out the closer we get to one o'clock in the morning over here. (laughs) Oh, God. uh, (laughs) So it's, yeah, that's one of those things that comes across. If you were, I mean, let's face it, right? I'm out a walk with my dogs. I have my two dogs, and the aliens arrive. Who are you going to investigate? The upright biped <laughs> or the four-legged things that encourage up the, the upright biped to pick up their poop? You're <laughs> <laughs> so going true. to investigate so the four-legged things because this clearly must be the supreme beings. Yeah, you know, uh-huh. that's, that's the way I like to look at it. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Pick up my poop, human. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> You know, so if I were an alien, I'd be looking, going, "This is really confusing." Quite clearly, descended from the monkey species, but these ones here are encouraging them to pick up their poop. All they've got to do is drop it and look at them, and they pick it up. They must be, they, they must be the masters of this species, right? Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, one of the amazing things too, I did find out, and I, I, re- I never realized this that you know that animals were so you know uh, intelligent and so philosophical, like your cat. Um, you know, when that dentist killed that lion and, uh, you know, there was, remember that lion that was killed by the dentist? And, yeah, yes. That, there was a medium that, uh, channeled the lion and he, she, the medium just gave it such a great philosophical dissertation. I mean, that lion must've been uh, close to Socrates. I mean, it was amazing how, how much, uh, thought and intelligence that creature had. So. Oh, that's a shame. Oh. Pizza from the dead. Where's that, where's that clock? I'll break it. <laughs> <laughs> Hit it with your cane until it, until it stops. All right, so there it is. We have to go. Get off my yeah. long clock. Yeah, get off it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we do have to go, and it's always a pleasure. I, I love chit-chatting with you because we can talk about anything, even mm-hmm. though it drives Ann crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no roadmap. No yeah, roadmap. no roadmap. Just but, wander. Anyways, so, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, you get your health back and uh, you, uh, you know, make a lot of money and then you come and visit us again. <laughs> I would absolutely love to. We, we will try and get over as soon as possible. I promise you that. Put the animals to work. What? Put the animals to work. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Your cat's such a philosopher, you maybe can write a book. <laughs> I should, yes, the world of the hero. That would be good. Yeah, thoughts of the cat. <laughs> I'll just be one page, meow. Anyway, anything any last thing? Yeah, about your website. My website is in transition at the moment. It's Stephen Okay. And uh, you working on anything for us that you've got, got tricky stuff for us sometimes? We have a couple of things I have not forgotten about your little coffins. Shh, that's a secret. Ooh. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. I didn't realize it was a secret. I didn't realize. Ah, well, so hush, hush. He you could know. have told you. All those, me. Yeah. All those UK stations will be grabbing it next. You know, they they copy everything we say because we're the trendsetters. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. So no, I've I've okay. I've not forgotten about a little secret. Mm-hmm. Good. And we are also looking at a. Obviously, okay. I'll have to send you the spiritualist view on Harry Potter. Mm, Harry Potter. Please. Yeah. Want to hear about that? <laughs> Anything else you want to add? We got like ten seconds. 
just that it's an honour and a pleasure to speak to you guys and keep doing it. It's amazing. I know. Oh. I know. Thanks, Stephen. I know. All right. Did I mention I know? Yeah, yeah he knows. I think our tunes <laughs> are playing. All right, so we got to go. Thank you, Stephen Scott. <laughs> Thank you, Ed Carrigan. Thank you, Jason. Good night. Thank yes. You. Thank, Thank you, you, Stephen. All you aliens up there, please return to tune in next week. Live, well, live video broadcast next week. It is? I think so. Is it next week? I believe so. Oh, screw. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to go. Good night. God bless. Good night, Good night everybody. Ghosties to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good luck.